Welcome to the Conservation Defined Podcast, a series where we highlight different aspects of wildlife conservation through interviews with guests from a variety of backgrounds that actively work and support conservation efforts. I'm your host, Olslav, a board member of AOS by background, a classical archaeologist, and today's topic is about a really special bird, the last remaining vulture species that breeds in Albania and a fan favorite amongst AOS audience, the Egyptian vulture. Our special guest, Victoria Saravia, actively works for the conservation of this species in a neighboring country, Greece, as the national coordinator for the Egyptian Vulture New Life Project. And she will help answer some of the questions we have about the conservation of the Egyptian Vulture. Thank you so much for accepting our invitation, Victoria. Ευχαριστώ πολύ. Ευχαριστώ. And firstly, um, let me just ask you, in order to get to know you a little bit better, and I think the audience needs to do that as well. When did you start working for the conservation of the Egyptian vulture? What inspired you? And have you found it challenging to work in a male-dominated field? Okay, thank you, Slava, for having me and inviting me, obviously. Um, so I started uh, working with the Egyptian vulture uh, around 2010, so more than 10 years ago. Um, I work for the HOS, the Hellenic Ornithological Society, BirdLife uh, Greece. Um, so yeah, so over 10 years ago, uh, we started to notice that the Egyptian vulture, which uh, used to be a really uh, easy bird to see uh, in the right areas, obviously, in the field, uh, was getting uh, was less and less common uh, to to see. Um, so we decided that uh, we needed to investigate what was going on and uh, probably that, you know, some conservation actions were needed uh, to be implemented. Uh, so this is how we started uh, working with, with this bird. Um, I mean, it's a very charismatic bird. Uh, if, uh, you've seen the photographs. It's uh, really a different bird. Um, so some people might find it not so beautiful as many other birds, but it's still, I mean, it's, it's fun and, uh, it's different. And, um, yeah, for me, I mean, he's, um, it's, uh, it's a hero. It makes such a big, uh, my migra migratory route, uh, goes over so many difficulties. Uh, it's a bird that's always been close to, to people because it lives close to, um, livestock breeders. Um, it's, 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 uh, we need this bird, uh, let's say it this well way. Said. Well said. Yeah, so so that's why I'm I'm really attracted to this bird. I really wanted to to, to work with it. And um, so another question you said. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, male-dominated. Uh, challenging, yeah. is it challenging to work in a male-dominated field? Yeah, so it is true that it is a uh, quite male-dominated field. Um, I, I have been lucky though, because on, on the one hand, HOS, uh, is quite, uh, uh, balanced in this, in this sense, uh, we have, uh, lots of women, uh, working for HOS, uh, I think many more than in many other conservation, uh, NGOs. So this was obviously good. And, um, in, in the Egyptian vulture world, conservation world, it is true that it's mainly males, male guys working. Uh, but in general terms, in general terms, there's always been exceptions as always, 
Uh, I've been quite lucky and the people I've been working with have been really nice guys that don't, you know, don't make you feel different because you're a woman. I mean, you know, because there shouldn't be a difference, well, you know, just because. That, that yeah. makes you a hero uh, in other Man. terms. <laughs> Uh, I wouldn't say, oh, but yeah, lucky. I guess I lucky. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And this actually, uh, this beautiful point you brought up um, uh, connects very well with my, uh, let's say, um, next bunch of little uh, uh, topics that I've chosen for our today's conversation. Um, mm -hmm. As we all know, field work can be uh, uh, tiring and hectic. And I know that from a personal experience working in archaeological sites and having to set up archaeological projects. And can you share uh, with our audience any difficult moments to help them understand that wildlife conservation is no joke? Tell me a little about those eight-hour shifts where you stay motionless in a camouflage tent until Kuma's yeah. horse arrives at the supplementary station in mid-August. Yeah, well, yeah, it's basically, it's, it can be more than eight hours, basically. Um, so, so yeah, this is one of the most difficult parts. Uh, you'll have to go into this little hide. So it's a thing, it's a little, like a little tent, really small that uh, you go inside before the sun comes up. Uh, so the birds don't see you going in. Uh, so they're not suspicious that someone is in there. Uh, and you have to stay there all day until the sun goes, goes down. Uh, or the birds come and you manage to trap them. Um, in order to to wait for the birds to come, so you can't talk, you can't talk, you can't move, you can't really, you have to be very silent, uh, and you just wait and hope until the birds uh, come. So, so yeah, so the, generally we use this uh, method to in order to, to trap birds, uh, to put um, uh, transmitters, uh, yes. satellite transmitters yes. on their back so we can be able to follow them and see where they go and if they're alive, not alive and everything. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's quite, it's quite demanding, especially as you mentioned in, in the middle of August. With, really hot. with no air condition in the tent. No air conditioning, no, no, just you have water and uh, maybe a hand fan, you know, with you. Uh, that's yeah. it. Yeah, the hand fan. I, I really like that idea. You see, we, yeah, yeah. In archaeology, sometimes we use them as well. I think we share quite a lot of uh, common uh, things here in the way we organize sure. our, uh, you know, August projects. That's, uh, yeah, that's very, very <laughs> nice to know. Um, uh, Victoria, speaking of those difficulties, mm -hmm. what challenges does the Egyptian vulture face locally, and that is in Greece, and mm -hmm. at a regional level in the Balkans? I think the audience would be very interested to know more. Yeah, so I think at least in Greece, but in all the Balkans, but let's talk about Greece right now. Uh, the most important threat that this uh, species uh, faces is the is the illegal use of uh, poison baits. Uh, so this means that uh, different people, groups of people, uh, stakeholders, uh, use poison baits uh, to to get rid of uh, different animals that the, for different reasons uh, they find. Uh, Annoying, shall we say? Yeah. Uh, it's sad to hear. Not, yeah. Yeah. Not only annoying, but I mean, they do really might create problems for them. So, unfortunately, uh, they they decide that using, you know, killing them is the best way. 
So, for instance, if they want to kill a, uh, a fox because they, it either eats their chicken or it either is uh, preying on, uh, on their, you know, hares or um, other species, uh, so they will put poison bait. Uh, but for, unfortunately, the Egyptian vulture, because it eats uh, carcasses, it will yes. go to this piece of meat or this uh, dead whatever, and it will fall poison, poisoned of this poison bait. Yeah. Uh, so we found out that this is the most uh, important threat for the species right now in in Greece, and it's it's mainly the cause for you know the practical practical disappearance of the species in in Greece. Um, so we're actively actively working to fight this, um, which is which is a, a crime. It's a wildlife crime. I mean, uh, obviously it's not allowed. Uh, but as all crimes, you know, it's difficult to eradicate. Yeah, that's why they're there. They're called crimes because they tend to happen, right? Yeah, that's mm -hmm. sad to hear. But tell me, uh, is the same approach and same challenges facing? The Egyptian vulture in the Balkans. That was the second part of my, uh, let's say, yeah. comment. And so, mm -hmm. so poison baits are uh, are a common practice throughout the Balkans. Uh, it might be more intense in some areas rather than others, but but it is something that is practiced practiced uh, in all the Balkans, unfortunately. Uh, other threats that uh, happen all over the the, the Balkans is obviously. Um, the abandonment of uh, the traditional um, uh, livestock breeding. So there's less and less um, uh, livestock available for the for the Egyptian vultures to eat. Uh, and habitat uh, changes. Uh, so this also affects the species. Um, uh, when they, they get electrocuted on while sitting on, uh, on uh, power lines, this is also a problem that happens everywhere. Uh, in uh, wind farms yes. that are not properly yes. uh, located, obviously the birds crash into them and die. So these are things that happen all over the Balkans, not only in the Balkans, also throughout the whole migratory route that the this species follows. Yeah, it's a it's a let's say uh, issues and problems are uh, multiplying as technology. Uh, finds more and more a uh, place yeah. in our countries, let's say, but also mm -hmm. technology, I believe, uh, and I will touch upon that topic. You briefly mentioned that technology, on the other hand, uh, helps us in studying better the Egyptian vulture. But I have yeah. a, a beautiful question prepared for you a little bit later on, on, use, on the use of GPS, and I will touch upon that with your permission. But before getting to that uh, topic, can I actually ask um, mm -hmm. uh, given the fact that the Egyptian vulture is a migratory bird, what is the geographic scope of the conservation efforts for the species? Can you mention any challenges unique for each region involved? Okay. So, so yeah, so as, as you mentioned, the Egyptian vulture is a uh, migratory bird. This means that it breeds in the Balkans. Uh, but it, it, the, the winter, it stays in, in, uh, in Africa. So mainly in uh, Sudan, Ethiopia, um, Chad. Uh, so um, this means that we have to uh, implement our conservation actions not only in the Balkans, because the birds spend 
only half of the year here, but also uh, throughout the migratory way and uh, in Africa. Um, so the migratory route of this species is over uh, Turkey and the Middle East. Okay. Uh, so it won't it, in in normal conditions. Uh, it doesn't usually cross the Mediterranean as some other species might do. So this bird prefers to fly over uh, land uh, because it makes it easier for him uh, for for the species to 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 fly to save energy. Um, so they fly o- over land. So they cross Turkey, they cross Middle East, and they reach Africa. In these regions, again, they have issues with. Uh, uh with uh, power lines they have issues with uh, um uh, wind uh, wind farms obviously uh they have issues with po- poaching uh it's so illegal killing uh of birds especially in the in the middle east it's very very common uh and then in africa again um uh, power lines is a, a, a big issue and uh, also in Africa, and in certain countries of, of Africa, we have problems with what is called uh, um, black black magic. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, belief-based uh, practices um, in which they uh, some people believe that uh, consuming parts of vultures might help them in uh, in you know solving their improving their health. Uh, so unfortunately, yeah, this has been. Uh, we found out that this is quite an, a big issue in 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 certain countries of of Africa, such as uh, Nigeria. Um, and other other problems are also poisoning. Yeah. It's also common, and uh, particularly, for instance, in Ethiopia, they use poison to to get rid of of um, feral dogs, which are quite out of control. Uh, so it's very common to use poison which means that then uh, dogs die and then the Egyptian vultures go to eat them and then they die and they're yeah. 10. Yeah, that's sad to hear. Yeah, unfortunately. So, unfortunately, the, this species has a long set of, of threats yeah. that yeah. need to be addressed. What have been the most essential achievements in the conservation of the Egyptian vulture? Which conservation actions have been the most effective? Can you just mention a couple of them for us, Victoria? Yeah. Um, so, as I said before, the Egyptian vulture has many different threats. So, you know, we had to do many different actions. So, I can't really say one that there was like, you know, yeah. the, the the key for everything. But there are different actions that were quite important. Um I think one action was uh, the use of uh, satellite transmitters because it allowed allowed us to get uh, lots of information uh, yeah. about the threats that uh, the species the species uh, faces. Um, so that was really important for us to to show us like the way forward. Uh, once we knew what the threats were, I think the most important actions were obviously the the. The, um, the fight against poison has been uh, really, I think, has been really crucial. Uh, the the restocking actions that have been uh, taking place in uh, for the last uh, four or five years in uh, in Bulgaria. So this means that we've been, we've been uh, uh, in Bulgaria. Our, our Bulgarian colleagues have been uh, releasing uh, some birds uh, every year. 
Um, so this contributes to maintain a number of, you know, the, 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 the core population uh, can be kept uh, despite the losses that we might have while we try to solve the different problems that we have. Um, the installation of power lines has been really, really important, mm. especially of specific power lines in, in, in Africa. There were, there were some specific power lines that were really, um, really, uh, lots of mortality. We had recorded lots of mortality on these power lines. So these have been insulated and this has really helped. So it's basically, yeah. it's been a combination of actions, really. I can't really say that one has been. Yeah, uh, and it's a, it's a transboundary combination of actions. Totally, yeah, 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 yeah. Because we, we had been working uh, with the first life project, we had been working for five years only in the Balkans. And uh, really, really intense actions. And But we realized that, you know, uh, the bird is half of the year here, half of the year in another place. So yeah. whatever we do here won't have effects if we don't work also That's correct. in the other side. Yeah. Bringing everyone on the same boat is, yeah, the, the word of the day. And that mm -hmm. recalls for what I mentioned earlier in our discussion. GPS, bird tagging with GPS mm -hmm. uh, offers precious data. For example, the Egyptian vulture individual, uh, Aos, tagged in the Aos Viosa Valley, which got yeah. its name from the river. Tell us a little bit more about this technique, which is widely applied in the endangered populations. For example, tell us the pros and cons of it. Do you know that this bird is quite famous in Albania as well? And I, I'm pretty sure uh, the same uh, goes for Greece because of the data that you, we got from GPS, like its route, distance, does she or he prefer to make a stop in Mykonos, for example? Tell us a little <laughs> bit more. Yeah, so this bird was uh, tagged in 2015. So we've been following it for nearly, yeah, for eight years. Uh, so it's given us a really precious uh, data about the, the migratory route it follows. Unfortunately, it doesn't stop in Mykonos. Oh. <laughs> uh, no time, no time. These birds finally have no time for vacation. Oh. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it tells us, it, it gives us, for instance, very important data because it tells us that this bird and its pair, they they nest in, in Albania oh. on uh, the Albanian side. Uh, but then uh, they come practically every day uh, to feed on the Greek side of the Viosa uh, Aos River. That's so this gives you a, gives us a, a, an idea of how important it is to collaborate because, you know, uh, you might be doing some conservation actions in Albania, but if we don't do them in our side, the bird might come and die here. So you lose the bird and then the, other, the, same, the same thing on yeah. the other hand. If yeah. uh, we are doing things, but you're not doing them. Um, so it totally, it shows how important collaboration is, even not, even not during migration, but while the birds are actually here, you know, birds fly, so they know no borders. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's been really, uh, eye-opening for us, uh, the data that, uh, ours has given us. Wow. That's, um, that's, and it's, it's yeah. why it's really nice to see how uh loyal these birds are i mean they go every year to the same nest uh they come practically on the same date they leave practically on the same on the same date again so 
it's it's really interesting uh, to to see the the ecology of, of of these birds, thanks to the to the satellite transmitter. Yeah, you 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 just gave me a couple of very very good points to start thinking fast and loud. And with mm -hmm. your permission, I would actually compare those birds as those statesmen and people who uh, we know from history um, did what they actually said. And you said they're very precise. They come on, on the exact date. They live on the exact date. We know, we know they would do that. We expect them to do that because they're very precise. And you said something else which struck my attention. You said they, they, they recognize no borders. Correct. And I like very much that fact and as it goes with birds. And I'm always uh, striving in my mind to think, as an archaeologist, of course, we always think about no borders. And especially when we look at ancient societies, we look more at collaboration than borders. And we, I don't personally mm -hmm. like to discuss about borders. And I think that the Egyptian vulture has made it possible for not just Albania and Greece, but all those countries which are in the path of its uh, migratory routes to actually think way beyond their borders. And that's very, very awesome to, to hear from you as an, as an expert. For so many years, you've been dealing with the Egyptian vulture. Thank you for bringing that information up and sharing it with us. Um, and as I, as I said, and not just being pretty popular species in Albania and the same in Greece, but can we somehow try to bug a little bit and, and tease uh, the the the, the uh, attention of people outside outside the wildlife conservation bubble, uh, how they can help the, Egypt, the Egyptian vulture. For example, the AOS here in Albania has established the Conservation Youth Club, um, which is a, a group of students from Girokastra in the south part of the country that uh, help raise awareness for the vulture in their local community, as well as actively participate in actions such as monitoring the Egyptian vultures' territories, monitoring the overhead uh, power lines, etc. Um, how can we bring people into this uh, wildlife conservation effort? Uh, what What is your experience on that? Share with us. Yeah, so for sure this initiative that ours has uh, with a youth club is, is, is really good. It's a great initiative. Uh, it's a great way to involve people in conservation and make them see that, uh, you know, conservation is not something that these crazy people that like birds yeah. uh, have to do. It's something that actually everybody can do in a, in a larger or smaller degree, obviously. Uh, but, but yes, I mean, um, it's, it's up to us because some of the threats, as we say, uh, for instance, the use of poison baits is something that normal people, you know, it's a normal person who puts poison baits. Uh, so it's something that needs to change. It's something that's uh, in the mentality of people. It needs to be changed. And this is only done if we all work together and um, we make people realize that, you know, we want our biodiversity. We want to have Egyptian vultures. We want to have other, other species, bears, uh, wolves. Uh, and in order to do this, we have to stop uh, using, for instance, uh, poison baits. So these people that use poison baits have to see that it's not uh, a welcome practice anymore because until now it was, oh, okay. Um, but but no, they have to feel that it's not okay. And uh, yeah. what, this is, what you're doing is totally not okay and you have to stop doing it. So this can only be achieved if we, if we all 
work in it together. So I, I think yeah. um, so. So, yeah, so it's not something that obviously, OK, so only an expert can go and trap an Egyptian vulture and put a, uh, a transmitter on it. Not everybody can do this, obviously, mm, yep. but other small things can actually be done by by anybody. Small actions, and when they're put yeah. together and they're positive, uh, they count towards uh, the bigger uh, aim, achieving the protection and uh, the proper understanding of the Egyptian vulture. Very, very, uh, very helpful on your side to share those thoughts, and uh, they're all coming from your long experience in the field and exactly related to that. Just very briefly, um, what does the future um, bring or will bring for the Balkan population of the Egyptian vulture. What do you think? What are the most crucial steps we should follow next? And uh, what uh, is your expert yeah. opinion on this? Okay, so it, unfortunately, I have to say that the future for the Egyptian vulture is, is I don't want to say uh, black, because it's not black, there's always, I mean, I always like to believe there's hope. So that, that that's yeah. why the, the reason that I still work with uh, this species, because there's always hope, but it's true that it's, um, it's, it's a difficult situation for the, for the species, uh, because the numbers are, are really, are really low. Um, so it, it will take years for the species to come back and be a healthy population again. Uh, but, um, I, what can I say? I mean, for sure, uh, people have to uh, value the species. It used to be very uh, valued. I mean, uh, it used to be part of the folklore of many of many uh, local communities. Uh, the bird has many uh, local names. De depending on the region where you go, people know it with different main names, which means it's a known species. Uh, so, so I think people, uh, yeah, need to, to, to welcome it again in the, in the, in, their in the area. Yeah. 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 And, and really value it in the same way that our maybe grandparents used to value it. Um, what can normal people, normal people, uh, people that are not, uh, working in conservation do, uh, I think. Um, especially when it comes to poison baits, it's not lo not look away. Um, so if they know someone in their area that is using poison baits, they should report it. If you're walking up in the mountains or in a field and you see a dead, uh, poisoned uh, dog or something, you should report it. You should call the police in order for that yeah. uh, dead yeah. animal to be removed. Um, yeah, I mean, the small, small things, as we, as we said before, that can be done by, by the people and for sure will help the, the species to come back. And um, by way of concluding, and um, you've dedicated so much of your time today for uh, our audience, um, please, as I always do and uh, request all guests, can you provide a piece of um, positive advice to my OAS colleagues, Tauland, Claire, Ayrald, Christy, Bessiana, Clyde, and others, always as a green and positive message for our AOS audience, both Albanian and international? Anything you want to share? What can I say? I mean, it's basically never give up hope. I mean, there's there's always hope. As 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 long as you keep on working and fighting, uh 
there's always uh, space for hope and uh, thinking that things will get better. Maybe not tomorrow, <laughs> maybe not the day after tomorrow, but but in the long term, uh, I think we will see uh, the this species come back, or at least our children will. <laughs> um, definitely, this is well said, Victoria. Never give up will be the, I believe, the most obvious title for this uh, podcast of ours today. And I really, really want to say thank you for all the time you dedicated for this discussion. Um, the points we uh, brought up, the insightful uh, uh, comments that come and stem from your experience uh, in the field. And I personally wish you uh, the best of luck in what you do. And uh, Really wish that you spend beautiful Augusts, not difficult ones. <laughs> um, and thank you once more for um, your uh, positive uh, message for our colleagues and our audience. Thank you very much, Victoria. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.